Glitch, bitte Dinklitch, bitte Dinklitch, bitte Dinklitch, bitte Dinklitch, bitte Dinklitch, bitte Dinklitch, bitte Welcome to Game Bones. It's us, we're back. Hello, everybody. Hello. It was only fitting to pay tribute for Peter Dinklitch on the one week that we do not have Game of Thrones during the season. Yeah, hope everyone's having an illuminating uh, weekend. I had a chance to watch Mockingbird again today. Mm, as did I. That's funny. Did we watch it at the same time and just not we know have. it? We may They're have. touching yeah. souls. That's intimate. Mm. There may not have been a new Game of Thrones episode on Sunday, but there was another opportunity to see Peter Dinklage, and I took it. Guys, have you guys seen X-Men yet? Yes. Days of Future Past. Kate, are we the only ones who have seen the awesome? <laughs> yep. Only ones in the world. Probably. Well, what's that like? It was awesome. It's a good It's a good place to be. It's a good feeling. Oh, Can yeah. we do uh, Days of Future Past spoilers on the show, or should we just keep it copacetic? What do you say? No, I, just, I thought Peter Dinklage did a really nice job. And um, there's times when he's playing somebody else playing him, so that also was cool. Yeah, he was well, great. Um, it's his character. I, I'm a big sentinels fan so um the the character of boulevard trask was a little bit unbelievable for me i thought his motivations could have been better i thought personally i mean his acting in game of thrones is so good that now i expect to see that level of acting uh, across the board and i think boulevard trask is just this this villain guy that he he could have been given a little bit more dimensionality in my opinion however the performance is good and the 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 whole movie is very enjoyable. Maybe that last scene with uh with Peter Dinklage in that film uh left some to to speak towards your dimensionality. Um, but that's just how Peter Dinklage rolls. He has last scenes and <laughs> things, mm-hmm. um, including how the laws of gods and men ended. Of course, you guys are wait that was too. <laughs> we watched. Eric just wants to talk about everything on this. It's episode. okay. Peter Dinklage, hey, we open. <laughs> Peter um, Dinklage. Mockingbird <laughs> happened, of course. Mm. It did. It happened last week, and uh, we had. I feel like everyone knew that since it was the you know the episode, the last one we were going to have before the Memorial Day weekend break, that mm. the sadness of there not being an episode set in already. Like Monday afternoon, the second like like our episode went up for me, I was just like, oh shit, there's not even going to be one on Sunday. I know. Mm. There's just reruns if you want to <laughs> get caught up on season four. That's about all you have. There was something that went up on Winners Coming this week, and it, I thought it might have been the most funny thing I've seen all weekend. And now that it's almost over and you guys are now listening to this on Monday, I think that I can properly say that it probably was the funniest thing I've seen. And it might be the funniest thing you guys have seen if we watch it together. Yeah, Zach told us about this earlier, and he made us save it <laughs> to watch it fresh for this podcast. What uh, I would like a link. Uh, okay. Peter, okay. <laughs> I'm so glad you showed us that. Yeah. It's yeah. never going to leave my brain ever. Every time I watch the show now, <laughs> I'm just going to be like, Peter Dinklage. It's going to say like Alan Taylor, like Peter Dinklage. Dude, somebody should do a credit sequence, an opening credit roll for Game of Thrones, but sub everyone's name for Peter Dinklage. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like unit production designer Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. <laughs> oh God, that's that would be that's funny. Somebody make it happen. All right, I got this video pulled up. It's, it looks this very is promising. Snoop Dogg and Seth Rogen recap Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. You can't ask for a better uh, pairing. Yeah, no, you really can't. I mean, <laughs> Snoop Dogg by himself is good enough but then you add <laughs> seth rogan to it and they seem yeah. to be both smoking marijuana i mean yes and look how they roll dude they have individual marijuanas i mean that's some yeah. ball of shit right there and they look so mm. happy both of them. Oh, they yeah. don't want to share with each other i don't no, know what that's about they don't have to because he's with snoop lion you know what i'm saying mm. <laughs> all right well let's watch this because we're having way too much fun very professional I do watch Game of Thrones. I just watched it last night for the first time. No, 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 no. I watched the whole yeah. series. It's great, isn't it? The little midget. They keep, they keep saying that because he was in love with a horn. Yeah. So he fucked around and they was going to give him some, his father was going to hook him up, but he was like, he couldn't shut his ass up. So now he's going to have to fight this big ass, gigantic motherfucker who his sister, the queen, went and got 
because he killed. Uh, they yeah. think he killed the Joffrey. Yeah. Yeah. They think he killed mm-hmm. Joffrey, but he didn't kill Joffrey. Uh, Peter <laughs> killed Joffrey. Fucking uh, war- Peter, Peter, like the hundred uh, fingers. Yeah, Peter. Yeah, Peter. And he's got un- a weekly game of Thrones. Un- Lily. <laughs> <laughs> the HBO should put that on before every episode. <laughs> green. Oh my god, that would be fuck with the Game of Thrones. That's my that shit. That smoke was green. That. Yeah, that's Someone true. Did a super cut. Grip something close to you. Grip something. Oh, God. Okay. Peter. Peter. Your sister. Oh, damn. Oh, bitch. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Peter. You know, sometimes it's the same thing. I've only loved one woman my whole life. Your sister. Move, bitch. <laughs> I think that's how they originally had that edited, actually. That's Peter. Would Pizza. you ever be in one of those kind of movies? A Game of Thrones type shit? Yeah, yeah sure. Why the fuck not? <laughs> Would you? I'd love to do that shit to be a motherfucking king or something. Or even to be a, a fucking gladiator, a warrior. Yeah. There's not a lot of black dudes on Game of Thrones, is there? Is there one? <laughs> what are those unsullied, maybe? <laughs> They know so much. There you go. No, they have dicks, just no balls, I think. Or do they not have any? Who cut it off? They don't want that thing to be seen. That thing will come out that little suit they be wearing because they don't be having no drawers on. They just be having a little little piece on with the little, you know. All them niggas walking around with that thing swinging. The the queen would have to violate. My queen, your grace. Your grace. You bitch, you. Church. Oh, man. Preach. So, yeah, Jabba we have an off week. So let's let's watch other people talk about the show that we all like so much and also talk about, right? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Makes yes. total sense. Can it's, we get Snoop Dogg on as a guest? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be that would be something, right? Yeah. <laughs> we could just retire after that. We wouldn't have to do any more shows. <laughs> well, I think That's it's interesting true. that... <laughs> He uh, obviously liked the Lysa and Littlefinger mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. And I think, can we, from now on, refer to her as Flysa, Aaron? Oh, boy. Flysa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been a week. Is it too soon still? Um, I, 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 don't, I, think, I, don't, I don't think it could be too soon. I mean, she really had that coming. She really sucks. I it's mean, not I'm, like she was a fan favorite. It's, it's not yeah, like exactly. it's a too soon. It's like it's Ned maybe. Even now, it's too soon for Ned. No Ned jokes, still. Ned, but more, Lisa, like, more like dead. Am I yeah, right, you That's guys? so funny. <laughs> 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 well, we're going to be honest with you guys today. Um, those guys in that recap video you just saw probably had more preparation done before they started making their show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Snoop was actually just reading everything through his sunglasses. You can see it, though. <laughs> He's got one like one of those special Google Glass setups. But what... what pe- the fans, the listeners really don't know is that was me and Zach. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which one of you is Snoop? You decide. It's Zach, Zach obviously. Zach, the horse is yours. Zach. Definitely Why? Zach. It just is. It just, well, it, is, it just is, man. Okay. You want to be okay. Seth? You can be Seth. I don't, I'll, I'll be, be, I'll be Snoop. I don't care. <laughs> I'll be the guy running the teleprompter. All right. Well, you could do that. <laughs> so that makes Kate Snoop. Definitely. I can see that. That's something we need listeners to decide on. Yeah. <laughs> Which one of us is Snoop? Please write in. Uh, Snoop Snoop Dog contest at Game of Bones. So, as as Zach pointed out, um, preparation. We we have very little uh, for for this episode, <laughs> but don't don't fear. Um, we will talk about your owns probably a little bit later on in the show uh, from last week's episode. But I wanted to talk about the upcoming episode a little bit. You know, we did get a preview for it, uh, and we also got a really cool poster uh, that one of our listeners tweeted into us, and I'm not sure who initially made it, um, but it says it's made by Game of Laughs. I don't know if that's a... Uh, sounds legit. Yeah, it sounds legit, but it's a really cool kind of boxing-esque type of poster uh, for the upcoming match that's going to be taking place uh, a week from now between... The Viper, the Red Viper, and the Mountain. And I think we could probably share it in the show notes, but I, I just, you know, even with the thing with Snoop and Seth, like, I, 
it's it's cool to see that kind of stuff and it's cool to see how creative the fans of the show are like putting together something like this it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of effort but people are willing to kind of go that extra mile to show how much they support the show yeah this boxing poster is really really cool it's you know just nice to look at i remember you sharing with us and it's just being floored <laughs> well do you guys see at the top where it says the pirate bay presents yes so that, that is a wonderful joke that I, i'm assuming is directed toward well everyone's gonna be pirating this so yeah <laughs> the very bottom of it says you'll pay for the whole seat but we'll only need the edge yeah i know that has to be one of those classic wrestling like slogans that's that's oh wow i need a pop filter one of those classic <laughs> uh wrestling slogans that um you know, has existed on posters throughout the last 50 years, but it's just, it looks so good on here. <laughs> We're all super excited for next week's episode. And I think that this has been hyped up so much. There was the article in Wick this week that said something about um, David and Dan saying this was the most preparation they've ever done. And it's the best fight scene that they've done so far in the show. I, I read a lot of people in the comments that are predicting that if it's anywhere near where the book representation is, and I know you guys know this, mm -hmm. it's going to be probably the best fight scene ever. I wow. think I'm I'm super excited for it. Mm -hmm. I'm so curious to see how how they do it because there's been and I I know that they they've been fairly faithful to the books in all of the major plot points, but it's the execution of things that makes it so exciting as a book. No leader. pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But it's it is it is really really thrilling um, to to anticipate what that's going to be like. Now, do do you guys think that there's a possibility that the mountain will win? I have no idea. Well, there's a 50-50 chance in a fight that yeah. one is person it, will is win. Is it 50-50? Is it not weighted? Well, I would say, you know, because the Red Viper has so much lore behind his abilities in the ring, air quotes. And the mountain, obviously, it, it, it's tough to say because I think I, I think the way they've represented it in the show so far, it's right now, it feels even to me. Not not having read right now, it feels pretty evenly matched. So that I think that is going to make it even more interesting. Yeah, I, I, well, we've seen the mountain lose before. Uh, he doesn't take losing too kindly, and in this particular situation, he's fighting for his life. Right. So uh, it's going to be quite a battle to watch. And I know that on Wick, just probably in the last couple of hours or so, there was a, a Reddit Ask Me Anything um, with. Pedro Pascal, who plays the Red Viper, and he talked about training and doing wushu oh, yeah. mm -hmm. to get into the character to be able to kind of do this martial arts during the, the battle with the mountain. And Whoa. You know, yeah. that kind of should tell you that this is going to be a very cool scene to watch his whole ama was interesting because he, he he typed so much in detail about the entire process of first being a fan of the show and then Ooh. getting obviously casted to be in the show which was real crazily surreal but could you imagine going into it and before you even show up on set they send you to a grandmaster in la <laughs> to start learning you know some foreign martial art just for a scene in the show yeah it's it shows the level of commitment that the actors have for the show that they go and do these types of things before even stepping foot on set. That's really my dream, though, <laughs> to be just put be through the ringer, to learn how to sword fight <laughs> mm -hmm. so that I can, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Like uh, Lord of the Rings boot camp, what they did with uh, Viggo Mortensen and, and um, Orlando Bloom and all those guys, mm -hmm. John Rice exactly. Davies. Mm -hmm. That was insane, and those are some great BTS pieces. And Stuart Townsend, but they didn't need him. <laughs> I hope that they do the same for Game of Thrones because so much of this, especially in season four, I know we're in the middle of all the hype right now and it's an off week, but I think just the, the mood around that website in particular and just the, I know the mood for myself and the rest of us guys with the con approaching next week, it's just a wonderful, wonderful time to be in the middle of the story because so much is going on. Yeah, absolutely. And Eric, you asked the question, right? Is there a chance that the mountain can lose? Or no, I said, is there a chance he can win? Of course. I, I mean, I think you're dealing with two contrasting styles. And, and Braun even brought it up when he was talking to Tyrion. You know, he could kind of dance around him a little bit and hope that he misses. The thing is, with the mountain, you're dealing with somebody who's pure brute strength, but he also has a certain level of quickness to him. At least mm -hmm. this is what Braun was telling us. Mm -hmm. um, whereas we know Oberyn is much more kind of finesse. But the thing is, for how long can you finesse your way around somebody who's that big? And then how do you take down somebody who's that big when you know that a single blow from him 
could mean that you're dead. I'm just so excited to see it. <laughs> it's like the juggernaut, bitch. Exactly like that. <laughs> I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> My helmet. <laughs> I want to say it was last week's episode. You, basically, there's no way that the Red Viper can lose, right? Because it would it would spell impending doom for Tyrion. It would mean that Tyrion would die. Well, and the Red Viper would too. I mean, that that's really the thing. I think is that the Red Viper is becoming such Forget a quick favorite. Forget about Tyrion. <laughs> he's, well, no, he's coming. He's becoming such a quick favorite, though. I mm. hate to discount or forget about the fact that if Tyrion is executed or whatever, even then, I, I think he has a, a chance of getting away because of who he is. But the Red Viper ain't nobody at King's Landing really wants him around except his wife. Um, you know, so he really is kind of, and this, um, serves to underscore the importance of his sacrifice because he really is going in it for his personal, you know, vengeance. And I think, uh, it really made sense when you were telling me on the last episode, you were talking about how it is kind of the only way he can, um, really claim the life of, of the mountain in a way that would be acceptable, Mm -hmm. uh, to do. But I, I think that really the Red Viper is on his own and, and far fewer people will, will care if, if that character dies and except for the audience who really, um, if, if they're anything like me, I mean, they just love the guy. I'd hate to see him. Right. Well, I mean, it's never like George R. R. Martin to kill off a fan favorite. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> well, I, just, just judging from what the producers have said about the final three episodes of the show promising that it's going to be crazy. And I know that you guys have read Storm of Swords, so you you know the crazy exactly. I, I I it's up in the air for me because crazy would be the Red Viper losing, Oberyn would lose, and then Tyrion maybe would be killed, or maybe he would escape. But either way, that's that's still crazy in in essence because that would mean he's basically living life as an outlaw, deemed to be executed by trial mm-hmm. by combat. Right. It impacts so many of our favorite characters at this point, right? Well, maybe not so many, maybe two in Tyrion and in Oberyn, mm-hmm. like you were saying, Eric, because. You don't want to lose somebody who has, throughout the course of these first couple of episodes, become really somebody who you can also stand behind. Because I think with Tyrion, you know, you always have stood behind him throughout the course of the series. And now you have somebody who's finally coming to the forefront and standing up for him. So you kind of rally behind Oberyn. So you mm-hmm. want him to be successful. Plus, he's the best character. I mean, I think this season, he's, the, he's certainly the best new character this season, Um easily and uh he is he's the guy who asked follow-up questions in the trial i'll never forget that that's awesome you and your follow-up questions yeah i know i really like the art the art of the follow-up question by i feel like it's sort of a i don't know if it's a clue but bronze conversation with Tyrion and how it, it ended so i don't know just dramatically with him leaving essentially to go marry lawless stokeworth Mm-hmm. I mean, is he leaving the capital immediately? Because that that means if Tyrion wins, if Oberyn wins and Tyrion is released, they could have the chance to meet again. And maybe that entire dramatic goodbye wasn't necessarily necessary. But mm-hmm. maybe it's just like a paradox because it could be the show just tricking us thinking we're saying goodbye to Bronn forever. But in essence, he's going to win and come back and make friends with Bronn. Or <laughs> it's just it's too much. It's, but even if he wins, are they taking him off the show? That's what I'm wondering because it was so final. Well, I think I think Braun was saying goodbye. You're gonna die because mm-hmm, you're going yeah. up against the mountain. Like that was that was Braun saying, "It's been nice knowing you. See you in the afterlife." There was that wasn't like a goodbye for now. I think that was a goodbye forever. <laughs> you have to get that in order. But if Tyrion doesn't die, then circumstances change, of course. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I can't I can't imagine leaving King's Landing a day or two before such an epic battle. What is sure to be a huge trial by combat. Um, you know, they don't, they don't happen very often at all. Trials by combat. So, um, to even see one in your lifetime, or if you're just, I don't know, everybody from a pig farmer to a, a slave trader, you know, who's within 200 clicks would probably come and try and see this. Um, as long as there, you know, is enough room in the audience to see this kind of a fight. I think it's a big deal. And it's the outcome of the trial of who killed the king. So I, I think for as exciting as the battle will be, um, they should host it in a place where everybody who wants to can come and see it. I think it's also, Micah, you were talking about how these are two of our favorite characters at this point. And this show, until this this particular spot, I, I'm, I'm thinking of all of the myriad deaths that we've experienced as Game of Thrones watchers. And they've, they've been shocking. They've been crazy. Um, but I feel like with potentially the exception of 
um, Rob Stark and his and some a couple of the wolves that have died. We mm. haven't had a super duper fan favorite outcry death. I mean, Ned, Ned was great. Rob's, Rob and Ned, I kind of put into this, this camp of being, they're good guys, but they're not necessarily anybody's favorite character. Whereas people like Tyrion, like Oberyn, they are people's favorite characters and they have been for some time. And so to be in a position where you actually have to fear for the life of your favorite character because you know that the show is ruthless. I don't know that we've ever really been in that kind of situation as television watchers. We're always sort of unofficially scared, but this is an actual sanctioned battle. Yeah. 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 Like we, we actually are going to see potentially two of our favorite characters get axed off of our show. And, and mm. like you have to, you have to wonder about the, the business of that. Even if, if there was no book canon to go, to go with, um, would they do it? Like if you kill off, Tyrion Lannister on a television show where everyone loves Tyrion Lannister, how many people are going to come back and watch that show again? It's it's such an interesting dilemma. It's such an interesting story situation that they've put themselves in for this. You know, I heard he was kind of a jerk and didn't want to do the show anymore, so they had to write him off and then replace him with somebody else. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Eric did not hear that. He made that up. No, 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 no. He said it out loud, then he heard it, but yeah. yeah. Warwick Davis is the new Tyrion Lannister. <laughs> <laughs> or Kenny Baker, but he's busy um, being the new R2-D2 again. Yeah. Or not the new R2-D2, being R2, the old R2-D2. Being R2. Just new. Being R2. Yes, being R2. <laughs> there we are. Well, I want to jump over to some discussion that we got on our Facebook wall, if you mm. guys will indulge me. And, of course, this is talking a little bit about Littlefinger, uh, the Mockingbird. Little and uh, we we got plenty of uh, owns you know for Sansa slapping uh, the slap of Robin, yes. <laughs> but uh, here's uh, some discussion on Littlefinger. Uh, the first one is from Gil Pound, and this is just a comment uh, from Gil. He said something you guys said in a previous episode got me thinking today. You talked about Danny's dragons possibly being able to take down the Eerie, which made me realize a flying pest has already made its way in, a mockingbird in the form of Peter Baelish. Oh, this actually turned into an own. Uh, so owns to Littlefinger the, quote, one-man army who was able to impregnate, uh, possibly in more ways than one, the Vale. So that, that I find interesting, the implication that Peter may have impregnated... Uh, Liza, because after pushing her out of the window, I, I really don't think that happened. But in general, um, Littlefinger here having to, we've seen in the preview, having to defend his actions and, uh, you know, against Liza is going to be something very interesting to see in addition to the Mountain and Red Viper fight. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to play out, like whether or not he's going to have a really nice story for the guards. or. Yeah, he had an easy he had an easy scapegoat in the books, but that that witness was not present on the show. So that's that's a, that's another one that's that's going to be an interesting. Um, yeah, to see how, how that plays out a big a big plot twist there so yeah when you have somebody who you can actually pin it on uh who's not in the show it means that the writers are going to have to get a bit creative here to see how they spin the story so that peter walks away with his hands clean of the situation yeah some sometimes i i wonder if that's not done on on purpose. There's a lot of complaints about these small changes that get made from the from the books to the show. But as a book reader, as as I'm sure many other people are who are watching this series, it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to have have little <laughs> surprises that you didn't yeah. know were going to happen because it's not when it when it adheres very very strongly. Like season one was this way for me. I felt like I was watching something I had already seen before, which mm. made it made it great. I was so, I was incredibly glad that they were so faithful, but there were no surprises. Like there was there was nothing about it that was that was interesting in in that surprising way that keeps you compelled. I just knew what it was what was going to happen, and they were wonderful. But yeah. But now there's all the all of these new things that are happening that are getting inserted and it's controversial. Why are they adding new things? Why are they changing character arcs? But I love it because it actually gives me a reason to this, these mysteries that are going to get solved from episode to episode. And Peter is no exception. Who knows where that story is going to go? Peter. 
Peter Paley. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing about Peter is I think really pushing Liza out the moon door um, was not part of any grand plan. I think he was acting impulsively because she was holding his one true love out of, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, over the moon door about to push her out. And so he needed to I don't to know about one true love. Uh, one, the daughter <laughs> of his one true love. Uh, to I think I think it was a grand plan. I don't think he meant to do it then, but I think he was going to kill her. Well, so that that just Probably. speaks to whether or not he has a good explanation for whichever council comes to ask him about that. He's you have to remember Peter is seven steps ahead of us, no matter right. what. He's oh, yeah, way ahead. He's orchestrated. God, so he he no. must have known it was coming. But exactly, yeah. Yeah. I I tend to agree with what Kate said. I think that he definitely thought about killing her at some point whether it was that exact moment he was planning to do it probably not i think it was just a matter of opportunity he was waiting for the opportunity to do it yes. and this was the perfect chance and so he just took advantage of it and tossed her out the door it was pretty shitty of him to kill her like also breaking her heart right yeah. beforehand <laughs> that's horrible if you really that's think about rough. it it's like yeah. easy for us to make Flysa Aaron jokes, and yeah, I know she's done things. <laughs> I know everyone in this series has done things. Flysa through the air in. I feel bad about that, or I quit laughing, guys. She was, her heart was broken, and then yeah. her entire body was. Yes, that her sucks. whole body exploded, which she was just I'm pretty sure yeah. she landed on a cloud. I'm no. pretty sure she's safe. <laughs> <laughs> One of the Lokita bros who are who do second unit filming for Game of Thrones uh, probably catch caught her. And no, I said Shaga caught her. Yeah, I thought yeah. the second unit filming was by Peter Dinklage, actually. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. Um, you know, we were talking about the one true love. We were talking about Littlefinger. Here's another comment from uh, Sneha Potamain uh, on Facebook. This is as to the joke about Littlefinger, a.k.a. Severus Snape. We do sometimes make uh, Harry Potter comparisons on this show. <laughs> you might not be far from the truth. This reminds me of a certain MuggleCast discussion. Hey, Micah, somebody mentioned MuggleCast, about if <laughs> Harry had been born a girl and how that might have changed the Potter books in relation to Snape. Also, how Snape's attitude might have been different towards the person he would have seen as Lily's daughter instead of James's son. Mm -hmm. Perhaps it's best that J.K. Rowling didn't go there, considering the audience of Harry Potter. However, Game of Thrones would have no such qualms. In conclusion, run away Sansa. Sansa's being safe or not in the hands of Littlefinger, and I, I'm certainly eating my words now more than ever when I say, oh, Sansa's going to the Eerie. She'll totally be safe. Um, I mean, Lice is crazy. Now Lice is gone, but she's still there with Peter, who kissed her in this episode. Yeah. So... That yeah. is an interesting way to look at it. Do you think that Snape would have tried to kiss Her Harryina? Um, you know, <laughs> Harriet? Harrietta. Harrietta. Let's just go with Harriet. There we go. Harriet's much better. I don't know about kissing, but I mean, the, the whole point uh, behind his like grudge was that he reminded him too much of James, who tormented him. That's what I mean. He had Lily's eyes, but if he had Lily's hair and Lily's curve of the hips, you know, it would have been a much different book. Gross. That's a strange way to look at it. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. We did do a whole episode on this, by the way, so be sure to check it out. We'll, we'll let you know what episode of Bumblecast that We bring was. up some interesting things on that show. Uh, but I think there's definite danger for Sansa being at the Eerie, especially now with Lysa gone. Uh, you might think that she's batshit crazy, and she definitely was, but she was also family, and now that's yet another family member that Sansa <laughs> has lost. And it's not like she can try and escape because let's be realistic. Where is she going to go? She's still wanted for playing a part in Joffrey's murder by the Lannisters. So the safest place for her to be, quite honestly, is the Vale. I mean, there, there's no chance that anybody is going to get to her where she is. Is that a good and or a bad thing? Well, Littlefinger can just say, I'll turn you over to the authorities. You try to leave. He could, but I think you you said, I think it was the last episode or maybe it was two episodes ago. I can't remember that that we're starting to see Baelish act l more impulsively and less calculated, especially mm. as it relates to Sansa. Yeah. And I think that ultimately he does see a lot of Catelyn in her. Um, Sansa's obviously much more attractive than Catelyn was. You don't know that. Um. Well, based on what Lysa said, 
right. I mean, I'm just, again, <laughs> okay. each their own. But there's danger for her where in this situation because Peter is not Tyrion. You know, Tyrion really never violated Sansa. Never violated her. Never overstepped that boundary, respected her. I think Baelish, for now, he does. And what lies ahead, who knows? I mean, that's the situation that Sansa's put herself in. Really, the only hope that we have is the knowledge that came in this episode that Brienne is on her way to meet up and possibly save, rescue Sansa. It's interesting to think about that in context of what you guys were earlier saying, which is, will Brienne know that that Sansa's not safe where she is? How well does she know Peter Baelish? I mean, she's in the, the veil, which is where her her late aunt was ruling. So theoretically, it should be a safe place for Sansa to be. But if Brienne gets there, is she going to be wise enough to see through through Peter's weirdness and rescue Sansa from that situation? Maybe Sansa can secretly, covertly start building a sand, uh, snow castle big enough and then she can just write, help me on the side <laughs> of it, big enough so that it can be viewed from the ground and she can carve the words, help me mm. into it, Brienne. <laughs> I don't know. Or viewed from the skies by a dragon. Oh, I just Ooh. thought of the, like the craziest opening <laughs> shot for next episode. What if it was like the glass mockingbird shattered on the ground next to Lysa being shattered on the oh. ground? Oof. Or That'd I thought of something crazy. cool. When, when, when the camera comes down from the sky to like kind of watch her fall out of the right. <laughs> That's, wow. that would be intense. Also pretty fun to film, I'd imagine. <laughs> but I, I just, I don't know how much better Sansa's situation is though. I mean, mm-hmm. you're dealing with Baelish who was able to be a master manipulator in King's Landing and the veil if you compare that to king's landing i think is going to be a cakewalk for him well he's a talker not a doer necessarily eh. uh in uh, terms of cuz i mean that that both. Whole, th- yeah but that plotting and planning thing and that took a lot more sort of conversations than it did actions sure he just pushed lies out a window but i don't know that he necessarily is as confident in his um, physical in what he can accomplish with his hands. I don't know. I think that he uses his intelligence to skip all of the bad, simple steps that other people making similar mistakes would do. He just does exactly the steps necessary for his stuff to move forward. I feel like that we've sort of unofficially been shown that Brienne has a pretty keen sense of judging people. I think that the scene in the inn where she spoke so freely of Sansa, I don't know if that was because she was just dumb or whether she saw Hot Pie <laughs> sitting down and, you know, being so friendly with them and being so innocent and harmless that it wouldn't be a big deal to say it. And it ended up going well. I don't know if that was a happy mistake or her good judge of character. I just don't know. So if she gets to the veil and clearly sees Sansa being kept there by this strange older man, then maybe maybe she will do something if she makes it there. But judging by how fast she got to the Riverlands in this past episode, I think she'll be at the veil at the very beginning of the next episode. Well, she could be at the veil and maybe not just make it past the gate. <laughs> it true. was meant to strengthen Podrick as a character, you know, and that he's not as dumb as Brienne thinks he is. Yes. You know, the fact that he said what he said to her, and I think he's still a hundred percent right, Absolutely. despite the yeah, despite definitely. the fact that Pot Pie walks out with the wolf bread. You know, if she had given that information to the wrong person, you know, she could have been in a lot of trouble, or maybe somebody would have tailed her, you know, on her way to find Sansa, and then things would have gotten out of control. So, uh, I think it was wise words from Podrick, and it was a good definitely. observation on his part. What does he say? He says the Lannisters are paying gold for those girls, basically, and people kill for gold. So let's not talk about it. Yeah, that's exactly what he says. And then Podrick also positively identified the Hound from a verbal description. That was pretty quick. <laughs> I think I think the, the context clues helped a little bit, right? <laughs> they would have just said tall, bearded. <laughs> Uh, that's every man on this show. They didn't say, uh, that it, 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 he didn't say after burnt face. He said something like, it was like, uh, blah, 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 uh, burnt all over. And then he goes unpleasant or rude or something. And he's like, oh, the hound. <laughs> I mean, they are heading on similar paths. I mean, maybe it, it, it is being set up, uh, because the show doesn't usually make such casual drops of, of characters knowing about each other. You know what I mean? Like they actually said the hound out loud. They didn't just mention Arya. It's possible that they could run into each other at some point, especially 
knowing that Arya has already been set up. Yeah, as opposed to the uh, recent council meeting where Varys, as you say, he could have been hiding the fact that he was spotted with Arya, but he just mentioned the, the hound to the council and left out the fact, maybe, that Arya was with him. Um, you know, what kind of a reunion is it going to be for Arya to get this first contact saying that Brienne meets up with her? This first contact who has kind of known her mother more recently. If they do meet, whether they meet on the road or whether they meet at the Vale, I think is going to breed very severely different outcomes. And it's it's interesting as a book reader to to kind of theorize about how this might play itself out because this seems to be a little bit of new territory for us. Like mm-hmm, Kate was yeah. talking about that before, you know, as a book reader with some of these new scenes this year and some of these new character arcs, uh, things are changing for book readers as well. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does keep us on our toes as well to think, Oh, well they did this a couple episodes ago where they changed the whole brand storyline. So it could be possible that the Hound and Brienne and Podrick and Arya could all cross paths in the not-too-distant future. What do you think the Hound and Brienne would think of each other? The Hound has no respect for knights, but both of them, both <laughs> both ladies. Brienne and the Hound, are in this, these positions where they sort of scoff at the idea of being called a sir for different reasons, but they kind of have come to the same, the same conclusion. Um, I feel like Brienne has sort of been knocked down a few pegs from being very stiffly committed to Renly. Um, and she's, she's sort of had her eyes opened about a lot of what the real world is like. Um, and, and seen a lot of really unpleasant things had, had unpleasant things happen to her. Whereas the hound has come from a very, very unpleasant place. Um, being, being someone who was the lapdog of this horrible king, um, doing who knows what previous to that. And is now the caretaker for this girl who is softening him up a little bit, piece by piece, mm. as time goes on. So they're, they are almost becoming parallel characters um, in an interesting way. And, and it's fun to think about what would happen if they were to meet on the road, what they would do to each other, what they oh, would think God. of each other. They're almost like two sides of the same coin, aren't they, Kate? <laughs> I've got I got a, Got a lot of coin theories. She's like, I got a whole <laughs> case of coins, the Crayola, the Crayola marker one. Is it like Davos's crayon, coin case? Yes. Coin bank. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love those. I wish you could draw with them. What, how cool would it be if the Hound and Brienne became pals? Right? Go Hound on their Drian. little adventures. Houndrian and and little little baby Arya raised to be a Podria. Arya and Podrick. Oh God. Oh, oh God. Pod with his talents. I don't want him anywhere near Arya. No, they would Poundrian be friends. Andrian and Padria. Come, Andrian and Padria. Excuse me while I giggle like a girl away from the mic. Speaking of all that, though, where's Gendry been this season? Oh man, working out, dude. Yeah, Gendry. Gendry was Getting supposed roots. to make it back to King's Landing. Right? Well, I don't know That's if true. he's there. He's oh. going to be the referee between the Hound, or sorry, between the Mountain and the Red Viper. No, I guess that's a good question. He's kind of one of those characters. I mean, they pushed it all the way off to, what is it going to be, the eighth episode of the show? Or seventh? Eighth? Seventh. You know, without kind of checking in with him. Same with Rickon, but I'd say Gendry's a bit more important, especially because he because of the way the audience reacts to him and the yeah, fact who the that Davos... Knows where he is. Yeah, and Davos <laughs> saved him and, and kind of told him how to get back to King's Landing, but of course King's Landing is the last place that you want to be when the king is killed and the borders are sealed and all this other stuff. What do you think his claim to the throne would even be at this point? Oh, that's... Well, um, he is less of a usurper. Sorry, Robert Baratheon is less of a usurper than... uh, uh, What's his face? Tommen Lannister. Even though Tommen's called Baratheon. Well, yeah. Even though Tommen's called Baratheon, um, we know that he doesn't have any blood from Robert. And because uh, uh, Gendry does have blood from Robert, Mm -hmm. then I'd say he has a better direct claim to the throne. Um, Except I would say Stannis has a better claim than Gendry. Yeah. So he, I mean, if we're, if we're doing like one true king, he comes in second or third, right? Right. OTK. Over the Lannisters because he's a Baratheon, (laughs) but really Danny has still the the blood right. Yeah. 
yeah. rule at all. True. But that's that's it's an interesting thing because the Targaryens technically were the ones on the throne, but then they got overthrown. They made the so throne. They, they they did. Um, <laughs> and then the Baratheon uh, family took over, and now it's run by Lannisters. So yeah, I mean, if you if she comes back and takes it because it's hers and she thinks she deserves it, then that's one thing. But at this point, it seems so arbitrary. Like whoever's going to be the strongest, whoever has the biggest army and the most money. And can kill the most people can sit the Iron Throne. Are you talking about right? the real world or Game of Thrones? Yeah, I think the parallel is right <laughs> there. It's like, that. well, it, was it was it ever oh, um, was it ever sturdier than that? Was it ever any more than one well placed sword away from chaos? Well, I, I can say that just from our experiences in the world of Dunkin' Egg being so far ago and a more comfortable time, it was just it seems so much simpler and just easier under the Targaryen rule. At that time. Mm-hmm. So much less duress than what's happening right now. And I think that as far as the last names and the heritage and the lineage is concerned, I think now uh, going into episode eight, season four, we've got Tyrion in a trial by combat with Oberyn as his champion and the mountain as the other people's champion, as the people's champion, I guess, or the corporate <laughs> champion. I don't know. They'll mm-hmm. throw the corporate elbow. Uh, basically what I'm saying champion is of the gods. <laughs> at this point. Let's we we have to just throw all of who deserves it out of the window because that yeah, doesn't matter. Exactly. That's never going to come into play again. I think that's over with. Yeah, I don't I don't think it matters at all. And that's why Stannis is so frustrated because he honestly feels he deserves it, and he probably does. Um, except he he simply does not have the money or the men to take it, and and there's no justice to that. Um, so I I think that the bloodline is irrelevant at this point there's there's just nothing there's nothing that anybody's last name or birthright is going to to win them anymore and yeah. and that's the iron bank said as much to stannis right it's, and then changed their mind and gave him money so well it's because davos was awesome well that's the thing yeah. davos is not gonna unless unless davos is killed i don't think he's going to rest until he sees stannis on the throne right. which is a good thing because he has shown to be a very resilient character judging by all that he's gone through and he all the people he saved yeah not just the blackwater Eric, but we're so talking funny, about man. you're like as long as davos is still alive <laughs> there's another side to that too what as long as stannis is still alive yeah, he won't run. oh uh, <laughs> who would davos back without stannis can we just say i know we don't Solid go into <laughs> very far explanations of like uh theoretical things when it comes to the to the show and to the the story in general but you know kate was saying stannis he it's his he's the brother of robert there it is it's his okay so he technically deserves it but he can't get it back fine but how how cool would it be because we know that melisandre is kind of questionable especially from the the tub scene that we got to see recently and about how easy it is to fool men into thinking that they're seeing magic when really they're just seeing science or tits Um, or tits which are the same thing i think um, how cool would it be if all of that was actually for real in a sense? And he really was Azora High and he really had Lightbringer and he really was about to fuck shit up. Like that, that would be so cool if he is getting all of this underfooted crap from people that just don't like him that watch the show. And he's getting a lot of love from a, a lot of Stannis lovers. Uh, I think they're, what are they called online? I want to call them Stannists, but I don't think they're <laughs> they, they call themselves. <laughs> I don't think they call themselves that, but maybe they should. Stanimaniacs. Uh, <laughs> Team Stannis, I think, is what it is. That's, that's more trendy. Uh, well, I think Stannis. part of it, too, is that people find Stannis to be a much more, not likable, but they've, they're able to rally around Stannis on the show a little bit more easily than they are in the books. I've I've seen a lot of that online. He's so human, though. The way he is just, he's so mad about what's happening. And he's so stubborn, and he's still so mad about getting stuck with Dragonstone. And just, you know, damn it! And the thing with the scene with the Iron Bank, when he just looks at Davos, you can see it's like after all this, we rode across the narrow sea in the damn ship, yada yada yada. After all this, it's it's just he's so tired of disappointment, you know. And it's 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 yes. kind of sad. But 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 here's another good thing about him is he he could be Azura High with the Lightbringer, etc. And be a little bit more entitled the way Danny has been entitled. Like, I'm the mother of dragons. You will mm-hmm. bow to me. You know, right. Stannis really could have, like, made the situation obviously a whole lot worse. But he really could have shouted at those Iron Bank people um, a bit more and, and brought his religion into it, which we saw. And, you know, we asked Brian about it. Didn't even come into play in the scene in the show. Um, you know, if if Stannis believed in that religion a little bit stronger, um, I think it would be a completely different 
you know, character, but the way that we've seen his banner changes, you know, so it's, it's the stag in, 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 inflamed. Um, but his personality hasn't really, we haven't seen him, uh, recently put, oh, it's interesting. We haven't seen him be devoted. We've seen him kind of hanging around the flames, claiming to have seen things. And he cannot deny that all the people he wants to die have been dying, but I feel like he could be a lot more annoying, a lot more Danny style entitlement uh, coming down from from on high. Um, so for that, I'm grateful for the show to kind of leave that part out. And he is a grown man after all. Well, I, I don't think George would, would ever write him that way, judging by all that he's gone through. And at the same time, we're, we're meant to believe that he doesn't necessarily buy into all this, right? I mean, I hope so. Otherwise, he's <laughs> not doing a good job. You know, with the exception of Renly... Right when and what happened to Renly, it's hard to really justify the Lord of Light being responsible for what happened to Rob Stark or what happened to Joffrey. You, know, these were murders that were committed by real people, real people, and we know who they are. And the difference with Renly is that it's believed to be the Shadow Vage baby who. Mm-hmm. You know, grew in a very short period of time and, you know, made made his way to manhood or womanhood. Who knows? But Do you think that, that the shadow baby could have been one of Melisandre's tricks? I was thinking that That's when she went. Say. There was one that she was talking about. and Oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember. The shadow that'll make men piss their pants. Right, 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 right. Uh, exactly. That's what made me think of smoke. it. Davos saw her give birth to it, and Kat and Brienne both saw it sneak past all of the guards and actually kill Renly. Like, if that's a trick, man, I want what's in that bottle. Yeah, like, and plus she she got a prego belly too, right? She yeah, did. she had a prego belly for that's, a while. I think that's probably easy to fake. Um, and I don't remember – remind me exactly what Catelyn and Brienne saw. Well, in the, in the book, it's kind of like a, a, a little less clear. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that it was like a trick of the light and all of a sudden Renly was stabbed. But Renly was wearing quite a deal of armor sure. at the time. I I think that if they if if they saw a shadow in the tent, I think that can still be attributable to something of this world. But shadows don't carry daggers that are like you know, no. it's kind of, kind of like antimatter daggers. They don't. They don't. And so in the show was it more literal? It's been a while since I've seen that yeah, season. Yeah, I think the show is definitely oh, yeah. more literal. Yeah, you kind of see the face of Stannis. But you know, the other thing to remember, too, is in the books, in A Clash of Kings, which we've read, um, Sir Courtney Penrose, right, He he's flung from the top of Storm's End. And there was the question about you know Melisandre not only having done this to Renly, but prior to that, having done it to Sir Courtney Penrose. So is there something about these shadow creatures that she's able to control. Maybe some of it is through potion, but maybe some of it is just through the magic that she's able to get from the Lord of Light. Well, I think the other thing is that no human could really, I mean, you can't get into Storm's End any other way where there was just no other way to get in unless you were a shadow who could just kind of float through the bars. Right. That's not, that's not really what I'm suggesting though. What I'm suggesting is that she's able to create these illusions on her end while simultaneously arranging assassinations on the other end. Um, Oh, kind of like a, kind of like a bailish. Yes, exactly. I think that there is a possibility because there, there is such uh, a dearth of magic in this world and and that's done purposely. We we have dragons, we have the White Walkers, but south of the Wall and and west of of Daenerys and and all her business, we have very little true magic. And what we do see as magic is generally quite earthly in its in its true nature. Mm-hmm. So it seems it seems like there is a possibility that Melisandre is using these tricks and using her connections to assassinate people and and make things happen um to uh, solidify her position next to Stannis. Well, uh yeah, the only thing I would say uh against that or with that too is that because she attributes her powers to the Lord of Light and we know that Beric Dondarrion probably isn't faking his six resurrections or whatever. Correct. Yeah. Um 
that because that's such a trump card that's such a oh my god he's coming back to life like you you almost you believe in the lord of light i believe in the lord of light and harvey dent at this point right. um you know because you kind of have to when you see something like that happen. So uh, it's no stretch for me to also believe that the shadow was real as opposed to, you know, this, this manipulation and that there's also, you know, arranged assassinations. I totally see what you're saying, but I'm like, well, I already believe that the Lord of light exists because he's bringing this guy back to life multiple times. So I do and can easily attribute the shadow baby thing that we saw to it. And they created that scene where she was giving birth to it. That's not in the books. And so, Right. Um, they also created the scene where she's revealing all of these, these tricks that she has. Um, and which, which is an interesting thing that we never saw in the books. You just, you just assume that Melisandre is, you know, everything that she's creating, she actually believes or, and sees. And, and these are real spells that she's casting. Um, so I, while I agree with you, I think the Lord of Light is very real and has very real power. I thought it was an interesting <laughs> thing to just think through aloud. Yeah. And, and, knowing that this potion scene is made up too does call into question everything that we've seen her do. Mm-hmm. So you're right there. What if, cause you were just talking about Essos having the magic and you were talking about North of the wall, having the magic. What if the wall has created this like crazy barrier from the power, let's say resonating or whatever from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and the, it can't get past. So people can't do magic and stuff. They're just, you know, stuck with throwing explosives on fire and saying, look at it, look, look at it burn, you know, and like, that's fun. And what if an Essos, okay, so the, the, the series is called A Song of Ice and Fire. What if you've got whatever this that represents ice up, up in this? And what if you've got way out in the Shadowlands or like in the east, even further east than Essos and Karth? You've got the guy that's given the ability or whatever it is. It's given the ability for like the uh, ladder climber, for the actual, for the fire mage in the streets of Karth to be able to climb a ladder of fire. Or something, you know. It's just I don't know. My brain sucks. No, this is that. There's so many parallels. You're not wrong. There's so many parallels that uh, to the to the title of the series where ice and fire come together. There's there's so much that happens in that way. Um, I don't think you're wrong. I think I think you make a great point. That would be interesting if they like shut themselves out from that part of the world and they didn't yeah. even know it. Like they just built the wall for protection. Well, I mean, I just and it's know, true maybe... that like the magic, the two big points of magic that you see in this world, aside from shadow babies and and things like that are the white walkers very obviously magical in some dark way Mm -hmm. and the dragons very obviously magical and that's those are two points of ice and fire two points of many i think that you can you can draw parallels between those two so i guess we're meant to think that the fire in this case is sort of i mean i don't know which if there's a side or not is deemed to be the good guy or the bad guy but I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in the end. Good and evil is all subjective, right? Or, or exactly. Mockingbird yeah. episode. I think it's Sir Jorah who says that, right? He said, "There's good and yeah. evil on both sides." It's not the first mm-hmm. time we've heard that in this series either. Yeah. You know, and, right. and you think about it, and it's true. I mean, there's plenty of examples from the series overall that we've seen so far. You know, there may be a side that we favor, but there are people on that side who we don't necessarily think too highly of. In the books, especially, it's interesting because you're presented with a very limited set of viewpoints and you assume from the beginning that the Starks are the good guys, right? And that Robert Baratheon is the good Mm -hmm. king and every, everybody whose viewpoints you can understand, you know their motivations and you get it. But if you look on the other side, pretend you're Rhaegar Targaryen and you see Ned Stark and Robert Baratheon come in cutting down your men trying to kill you and and get into your castle and take over King's Landing, then yeah. those are the bad guys and you don't understand their motivation because you don't live in their head. And we have the advantage of living in their heads. Um, and I think about that a lot, especially reading these books, is trying to understand the other side and, and, and get into the viewpoints of the characters that we don't get to see. Just to kind of wrap that up, the, the other thing I would say is that you know when you're reading from a lot of these different perspectives because obviously they change as the series goes on. I don't ever remember being inside somebody's mind and seeing them as an inherently evil person. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. th- and so that's why it really is all so subjective. You know, Kate mentioned the Starks. That's who we start the story up with. That's who we grow to kind of love. But, you know, at the same time, there's so many other characters that are out there whose stories we're learning, um, but we're never going to get to know 
everybody's perspective because there's just too many characters. Speaking of all these characters, you have exactly 140 characters in your submission to our show where you tell us about your own and we force bound and gagged Eric Skull to read them. And Eric Skull, read the tweets in. How are long takes my last? <laughs> yeah. Mary Larson. All right, everybody. Here we go. Mary Larson says, my own goes to the Red Viper for bringing a tear to me eye during story time. John Brothers says, the reason there's no food in the Riverlands, question mark, Hot Pie has owned it all. Or cooked it all. That's for one. Joe Schaefer says, own goes to Liza Aaron for dying like a champ. (laughs) Uh, Most memorable death of the series. Okay. Sorella Sand at the left lane on Twitter says, own goes to Danny for basically saying, fuck your flowers, give me that ass. (laughs) Or what's in front of it? <laughs> Hashtag Game of Butts. Oh. <laughs> oh okay. I like that one. Uh, it's, it's clean. It's very Okay, simple. King in the North says Littlefinger and the Moon Door get the own of the week for sure. Lots of love about Mockingbird. They did good things. Jasmine Alvarado says I also give an own to Hot Pie. That was one awesome looking direwolf shaped bread. Do you think he yeah. does birthdays? <laughs> I would be the kind of friend to bake you a cake. He'd make you a pie, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Would. Of course. Like, with lots of gravy. Mm. Mm. Don't forget it. <laughs> okay. I don't understand this reference, but it's fun anyway. <laughs> Daniel Hazelrig says, My own goes to Robin for going all kaiju or keiju. Does anybody know if that's keiju or kaiju? Kaiju. 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 What's that from? Everything. It's from a language. <laughs> it's, oh, it's a word. It's like wushu. Oh, okay. So Daniel Hazelrig says, My own goes to Robin for going all keiju on Sansa's snow model of Winterfell. Go see Pacific Rim. Just put the microphone down. Go see Pacific Rim and then you can come back. They're the dinosaurs. (laughs) Maya Pozzolo says, My own is Arya stabbing Rorge after adding his name to her kill list. Quick stab right to the heart. Mm. Rouge. Oh, Kate, I think this is a dab at I, I think this is a jab at you. Timothy says Game of Owns owned the English vocabulary. Symbology, you mean symbolism. Uh, hashtag mm-hmm. watch boondock scenes. It is a real word. I may have used it incorrectly, but suck it, Timothy. Also, thank you for tweeting. I, I listened to that episode, Kate, and I can tell you I think you used it just fine. I've heard that word before. Booyah, let's alienate that fan. <laughs> Roars! Let's, let's move on. <laughs> Alicia Seymour says, Hot Pie, quote, Starks, question mark, that lot from Winter Hell, quote, <laughs> enough said. Mm-hmm. Nidish says, phenomenal episode, my own goes to Melisandre for rocking dat bod. And then and then he says, courtesy of Dragonstone Aerobics Club. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who would be the instructor? I always wonder. I, Stannis. Was, Melisandre is so, she's so physically attractive and she knows it and she shows off so much and i wonder mm-hmm. if she's like casting a glamour on herself of some kind and if uh, we can wow. like the pen the pendulous the pendulum can swing the other way and we assume that her magic is totally uh, actually, real pendulous isn't a word if you I said pendulum i said <laughs> pendulum i may have said pendulous the first time pendulous. but then i said pendulum the second time <laughs> I don't even remember what. Now I'm just. If it is an illusion, what does she really look Sorry. like? Maybe she think? looks a white she looks like a. This is somewhat unknown. James Payne says, "Can the quote coincidence in end quote <laughs> where Hot Pie is now head chef? Get get a shout out, please. Everything that happens there is so convenient. How do you do a shout out to a co- coincidence in to anything?" Um, you just say, hey, coincidence in, we're shouting you out. Done. Mm. Done. <laughs> Nicole, we got a tweet saying, I heard you, Zach. I heard you say Entmoot. Mm. Mm. Me that too. That was awesome, you nerd. That was Sorry. amazing. <laughs> Fucking nerd. Thank you. Audie Ross says Sansa owned Robin with a nice smack to the face. Yeah, she did. And the last tweet of this episode goes to Ida Askoff, who says, Sophie Turner owned her first on-screen kiss even more because it was with a man twice her age. Hashtag Cradle Robber Creek. And that was Eric's Go Reason Tweet. In however long it took my last. And no longer. Micah, I'm just like ripping this out from under you. No, it's cool. (laughs) <laughs> Mike is like, I've been tired of that shit, been doing it 200 times. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Well, guys, we just laughed, and uh, Eric read your tweets, and we didn't even have to do it. So 
just for frame of reference, if you'd like to help us continue doing this, send your tweets to at Game of Owns, your owns and stuff, and we'll continue to ask Eric to read them for us on the show. That's right, Zach. And not only is our Twitter username slash handle Game of Owns, but that is where you can find us on Facebook as well. We did read some comments on Facebook earlier. We are at Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. And, of course, our email. Everybody knows that's where you can email. also send us comments, and we'll be reading those again sometime soon. Contact at GameofOwns.com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Kaiju. Bushu. Kaiju. Any other form of martial arts you want to share with us, you can do so on <laughs> iTunes, uh, which is where you can rate and review the show. Uh, we've promised we'd read these reviews. Don't I don't even do know how many times, <laughs> but we will read them sometime between now and the end of the season. Uh, you know, we get <laughs> to these episodes He's and not even reading them now. Just so full of uh, stuff to talk about. I mean, you know, we will uh, we will get to them. Maybe we'll read a few of them on the live show. How about that? That's a good idea. Mm, live show? What are you talking about? Well, Zach, uh, yeah, we're going to be doing this live show in just a couple of days from now in Indianapolis, Indiana, of all places. It's just the place to go, I of hear. Of all places. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't know what we're talking about, we will be at Indie PopCon from Indie May 30th, right, through June 1st. That's Friday through Sunday, by my calculations. And uh, we will be doing our first ever Game of Owns live show. Live. And we will be doing it with uh, a few special guests. You may know them or have heard of them. Uh, Christian Nairn, who plays Hodor, mm-hmm. who's been a guest on the show before, as well as Esme Bianco, who played Roz. Unfortunately, Roz. she had a terrible crossbow incident <laughs> at the hand <laughs> We're gonna of follow up King on Joffrey. Yes. We'll find out uh, how she's been doing since that. Uh, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. It will be on Sunday uh, at so about 4 are. o'clock, right? <laughs> yeah, 4 p.m. Yeah, we're closing out the con. It is going to be wild and crazy kids like that old Nickelodeon show, God. except it's going to be us and it's going to be Esme and Christian. Sadly, we can't have Kate because she's working. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Kate's working. Kate has to yes, do her job and make Kate video games begins. for everyone to enjoy. <laughs> well, when you say Sorry, it like that. Sorry, everyone. When you say it like that. Hey, did, Kate, did you work on Watch Dogs at all? <laughs> no, I didn't Because that's an awesome sure. game I'm playing right now. Did I you work, work on, on... Ten Dogs too? <laughs> <laughs> did you make Legend of Zelda? <laughs> Are you Shigeru Miyamoto? <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Yes, I work on every every video game that's ever come out. So it's going to be that fun. So just box up that little moment times it by 17,000. Um, it's going to be a blast. Subtract Kate. Yeah. Oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to be there in our hearts and Whatever. spirits. I wish I could be there. So that will be happening next weekend, but we may have uh, one or two more surprises during the week, or sorry, before that happens, over the weekend, you know, next couple days, that sort of thing. Uh, just keep in touch uh, with us via our Twitter for updates and or you can always check Winter is Coming to find out if anything special else is happening. And I know that the three of us uh, guys, us boys, will be very interested in seeing you, the listener, if you are by chance attending Indie PopCon. Come and stop us on the floor um, or, you know, come up to us after the show, say hi. Um, we won't bite. That's right. Don't be shy on the uh, convention floor. I just think that it's exciting because we have so much uh, fun stuff planned. We've got all of this happening at the end of the week. And you can bet your sweet asses sitting at home listening that once we're all together in the same place, under the same roof, and conjoining hotel rooms, it's going to get a little wild and crazy and out of control. So let's just uh, wait and see what the weekend brings us, shall we? Sounds pretty lame. Yep. Sounds super <laughs> fucking lame. <laughs> <laughs> and when you do go, check out our booth. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I am Zach. Have a good life. I'm Eric. See you next weekend. I'm Kate. I won't see you anywhere. <laughs> and I'm Micah. I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> good night, everybody. Micah, what are we going to do for three hours in the car together?
I can think of I'm going to sleep and you're going to drive. <laughs> <laughs> Mike has got this figured out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry, guys. Mike has already he figured out how we're going to divvy up all the labor. Love you. Bye. Bye. Oh, that was you good. guys ever done that to your... I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to be expecting that. <laughs> Okay. You want to do that? I'm going to have Siri read Micah? it to me. We're going to have Game of Thrones as brought to you by Siri <laughs> reading Eric's text messages from Kate. <laughs> it's almost as good as Snoop. Rouge. Oh, my name is Rouge. <laughs> I'm Rouge. <laughs> Live in a cave. Um, okay. <laughs> they got running water in my cave. Sorry, go. Preferably one that has Game of Butts hashtag in it. <laughs> I know, that should have been the last one. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, Magic of editing can make that the last one. No. It could. No, that was good where it was.